What's the word, y'all? Welcome to Shred Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Davis. I'm joined by my co-host, Devin. What's going on, y'all? Our first topic that we're going to be discussing today is college basketball. We just had a huge college basketball game. It was the championship between Kansas and North Carolina. Devin, your thoughts on this game? It was a great game going in. Knew it was going to come down to the wire. Uh, the only reason why, the only reason how North Carolina was going to stay in this game if, if they got off to a hot start, which is exactly what they did. Um, personally, a lot of money was won today, so all in all, can't complain. You know, these stars came, they balled out, and it was honestly best 40 minutes of basketball uh, championship game I've seen in a very long time. That was a massive comeback by Kansas. They were down by 15 at halftime. Um, just Huge comeback for them. This is their first title since 2008. And actually on that 2018, the only recognizable player is Mario Chalmers. So little fun fact there. Another Um, fun fact, that guy is still playing basketball today overseas. Yes, he is. Absolute baller right there. Absolute baller. Some couple key takeaways from this game, though. I think North Carolina as an eight seed was just a fantastic team, though. Um, First year head coach, and he brought them all the way to the promised land in his first year they're taking over for a very historic program that's won I believe six or eight national championships so they had a very solid year so I think it's definitely um, a great year for them finishing in the championship game have to agree another thing I found out today was both Bill Self and the head coach the new head coach for the Tar Heels both were mentored by Roy Williams so it really did come full circle today with, with both head coaches going at it um, for the championship game with Roy Williams in attendance. So that was also phenomenal to see. We also got to see some top players in this game as well. Some two players that are potentially going to be top five picks in this draft with McCormick and Baycott. Devin, what are your thoughts on those two players? Yeah, Baycott, McCormick, was, that was a big matchup going into today. Um, honestly, online, I saw on Twitter specifically, I saw a lot of people rooting for McCormick, but uh, I knew coming into this day, Baycott was going to have himself a game. He came in today with only one ankle, um, which he did end up hurting again at the end of the second half. So it was unfortunate to see, but Baycott's my dog. I mean, what that guy does from a defensive standpoint, as well as from a rebounding standpoint is insane. I believe he had a double double by halftime, which in my opinion is just awesome. I mean, he's killer. Don't get me wrong. McCormick's good. Um, I just think he's a very, um, up and down kind of player when he's on he's on but his best performance this year was last round against Duke I mean Baycott's been doing this consistently uh, I think he's like the leading rebounder in NCAA March Madness history he had back-to-back 20 rebound games I don't know how many he finished with tonight um, so the back-to-back was in the elite eight and the final four but nonetheless the guy is a baller and I just think that the North Carolina team was very well developed great three-point shooting, great driving kick, as well as a strong interior presence. And it just goes to show that you really do need three legit and elite scorers in order to make it far in this tournament. North Carolina has it. Duke has it. Kansas for sure has it with bringing in Remy Martin from ASU. And even some of the underdogs that I just wanted to bring up. One of my favorite play, uh, favorite teams to watch this year was Miami. And they had three stars. They had Charlie Moore, who's with his fifth organization, fifth organization where he's dropped 1,000 plus points. Then they brought in Isaiah Wong, who's been there for a very long time. And they had another senior in McGusty. So it just goes to show, even as a 10 seed, you need three elite scorers to make it far in this tournament. And that was honestly one of my biggest takeaways. 
So I was really glad to see the, these two teams with those three legit scorers battle it out. Yeah, it seems like North Carolina, they've really developed this culture of having these big men always rebounding the ball. It seemed like last year, even so, they were a big sleeper team coming into the tournament. So just a lot of big men recently. And I think that's definitely due to their success, how they've been scoring the ball a lot, rebounding the ball, points in the paint. That's definitely why they scored, I believe, 90 points in their first two games this tournament and how they've just upset so many teams this year. Yeah. And they were only favorited once in the tournament. The rest of the, the rest of the games were on all underdogs in the opening round. They were fared by two, two and a half. I think I don't think it was anything past four. So Vegas did not show a lot of love to this to this UNC team, and they proved everyone wrong. Yeah, it was a very interesting March Madness year. Um, I believe if you did the ESPN bracket challenge, the top ninety nine percent of brackets only got like eight hundred points out of like eighteen hundred. So a lot of upsets this year, a lot of surprising results, a lot of top teams dropping out of the first, not even making it out of the Sweet 16. So um, very strange year for March Madness. I, I would have to agree. And it all happened day one. Kentucky going down, Iowa going down. Even as a fifth seed, a lot of people at Iowa in the Sweet 16. I believe you and I were were, uh, were, were one of those people, right? So um, I had Iowa in the final four. So yeah, I was yeah, bleeding so a lot of upsets. Hype. It wasn't there. A lot of upsets, a lot of upsets. But a uh, big shout out Indiana, big shout out Notre Dame, big shout out Miami. Obviously St. Peter's, like whatever. But you gotta shout out the Peacocks. Y'all, I mean, y'all came in, y'all came in, y'all came to play, put up some great performances, and it was it was an awesome March Madness. Regardless if my bracket was busted in the first first twenty four hours, um, I did just want to touch one thing. You know, a lot of people showed a lot of hate on Kentucky after losing in that opening round, but I just want to say, other than North Carolina. Kentucky was the only team to take St. Peter's in overtime. So Very at the true. end of the day, I really do believe Kentucky could have made some noise if they would have gotten past the first round. I really do, because Purdue overrated. Yes, I agree with that. Big overrated. So show some yeah. love for Kentucky. Don't. It's, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not all California's fault. Show some love for Kentucky. All right. With that, I think we should move on to the NBA. Um, Devin, what's the first thing you want to discuss in the NBA? I love, I would love to talk about the Lakers to open this up. I mean, I get it. A lot of people would admit regular season basketball doesn't mean too much, but I will say the month of March is huge. And with the beginning of April, the Lakers are two and eight in their last 10 games. It's bad results, pitiful basketball. And I, I honestly, I, I really don't get it, but I just want to list off some stats for you. Um, they are 23rd in offensive rating efficiency and 22nd in defensive rating efficiency. How, how is that going to get it done on both sides of the ball going into the playoffs? As of right now, you're either going to have to play the Suns, the Grizzlies, or even the Warriors. You think falling bottom, bottom 10 in both those categories is going to get it done? I don't think so. Then when you add in 20, 23rd in turnovers, close to 14 a game, and then you couple that with 20th in rebounds, I mean, these entire stats up and down just do not do not add up for a recipe for success. So I'd love yeah, to get their, your thoughts on the Lakers. Their team just doesn't mesh together. Like It seems like when LeBron doesn't play and they have Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook, those two play together like fine. Um, but if you have LeBron and Russell Westbrook in the same lineup with each other, just 
there's no productivity. There's no defense being played. Um, they're both trying to get the assists on every single play. Um, obviously, like LeBron's leading the league in scoring. He's averaging 30.3 points per game. So it's just weird seeing a team having the leading score in the league, yet not even going to make the playoffs. So they're cur- they currently sit two games back of the, of the Spurs, and I don't think they're going to even win two games the rest of the season. They have five games left, and their two most winnable games are against the Thunder and the Warriors. Their other games are against, like, the Jazz. They play the Jazz, the Nuggets, and the Suns, I believe, are their other three games. So I could honestly see them not even winning two games the rest of the season, and that's to make the play-in. That's literally just to make the play-in. We wanted to reiterate that because that is a tough schedule and just goes yeah. to show how important the month of March really is. Another team that's kind of fallen behind in the month of March is the Jazz. I mean, they only won eight games in the month of, in the month of March. And you look at that and you're like, eh, that's not too bad. But their counterpart, who they're fighting with and currently only half a game, I think, ahead, is with the Mavs. Mavs won 13 games in the month of March. Right? And these are big games because this is the difference between you playing the Nuggets versus you playing probably the Warriors as of right now. Um and if I had to pick my poison, I would definitely try matching up against Nuggets. So, month of March is huge. Lakers and Jazz have, have severely fallen behind in, in, from my expect, expectation standpoint. If the Jazz do end up playing the uh, the Mavericks in the opening round, I'm throwing a hundred dollars on the Mavericks series on the Mavericks series price. I am that confident that the Jazz are that overrated. And the Jazz keep dropping games as well. They might even drop into the play-in because the Timberwolves keep winning games. So it's very possible that the Jazz might drop into those bottom four teams and potentially play the the Clippers in the first round of the play-in. And and, and what's going on with the Clippers? Paul George (laughs) came back. Healthy healthy Paul George coming back. Kawhi could potentially come back too, from what I hear. I mean, we're talking about a Clippers team that's 2-0 with Paul George back in the lineup. And very good wins, if I may add. I mean, that great comeback uh, when they were down 23 uh, with a quarter and a half left, they came back. And then last game, they clobbered the Pelicans. And again, a must-win game on both sides. So I want to stay away from the Clippers as much as I possibly can. And it's looking like the Clippers are definitely a prime candidate to make make it into the playoffs. And if you look at who they might play, they might either play the Grizzlies, which is definitely a threat for the Grizzlies, or the Suns, which I think the Suns could blow past anyone right now. But the Clippers are definitely a threat to any team that's up there right now. Any of those top any of those top three teams, Suns, Grizzlies, Warriors, I'd be very worried. I'd be very worried. But you're right. I The Suns have the potential to steamroll anybody. Yeah. They really do. With that being said, um, just out of curiosity, who do you think is going to come out of the East? Who do you think is going to come out the West? And we'd love to get your reasoning for the East specifically because we haven't really touched on that conference yet. Yeah, the East is very tricky. You have a lot of teams like all over the place. It seems like first place there flips every single like other day. Um, the Heat looked like they were going to be first, but then they kept losing games. I believe it's because Jimmy Butler's been out. Um, but yeah, they were in first for a while. Then the Celtics catapulted into first with a 24 win streak or like 24 and 28 games. Um, then you have the Bucks just sitting there as well. The Bucks could honestly take everyone on. I feel like, um, 
just watching them, the Bucks play, I feel like the Bucks are the best team to come out of the East. But honestly, I'm going to have to go with Boston as my favorite to come out of the East. I would have to agree. And that's not my bias to talking because I have a little small future bet on the Celtics to win the East, a plus 1,100. Um, got it before the trade deadline. Got it before they got Derek White. Love their love their trade deadline signings and bringing back Dice, Derek White. Those two are both glue guys. You can see what they do coming off the bench, so it's great. I would have to admit, and I would have to agree, I think Boston comes out in the East without any bias. Um, it's From my perspective, though, it's very hard to bet against Giannis. I mean, that guy truly does get better every single season. I truly believe he's the best player in the league right now. Like, he's unstoppable. Unstoppable. Mid-range, developing the three, and he can body anybody. And he could actually guard all five positions. He really could. If you, if you wanted him to, he really could. Um, so, honestly, I've never been a big fan of the Bucks. I've always thought that they were a little overrated. I'm not a I'm not the biggest fan of Chris Middleton. He's had, think, he's had a bad season. I think him and Tobias Harris are very comparable in what they do, and I think it's empty 20 points a game. Um, so that's just my take. Uh, that's why, with that being said, I can't have Milwaukee coming out of the East. Um, depends on who they play in the first round. I think if they play the Raptors, they'll win easily. But if the Bulls somehow switch and Bulls end up in sixth and Milwaukee stays in third, I think that would be a very tough matchup for Milwaukee because the once the Bulls are healthy and they're playing together like they did in the beginning of the season when they were hot, that could be dangerous. So I think I, the I Bulls think the have Bucks, the potential. The Bucks swept the Bulls this season, and I think every single game was a blowout. They did. Interesting. Yeah. But with that being said, I also believe that regular season basketball doesn't mean anything. The amount of times I've seen regular team sweep and then end up maybe even potentially losing the first round, I've seen that a few times too. So, similar to March Madness, Mm -hmm. similar to March Madness, I think it's whoever's like hot going into it, which obviously the Suns are super hot going into it. The Celtics are incredibly hot the last month or so. So, I think the Celtics are definitely the best bet out of the East. Here's my breakdown right now, if it stays the way it is. except the Bulls and the Raptors switch. I think that the 76ers win and that the 76ers will take care of the Heat. I think that the Bulls beat the Bucks, and then the Celtics are able to beat the Bulls. And then the Celtics move on. The big Celtics issue I versus have, Sixers in the conference championships. That's the big issue I have right for now. the Eastern Conference is that um, a team that no one has been talking about too much recently just because they're currently in the play-in, the Brooklyn Nets. They are currently the 10th seed Brooklyn Nets lock in the 10th seed. (laughs) So they're going to play. They're definitely going to get through. There's a chance they lose, but I I'm pretty strong in feeling they're going to get through the play in, but they're either going to play the heat or the Celtics currently in the first round, which is a massive threat. I think it's the bigger threat to the heat because I think that the Celtics can keep up with them scoring. With the, with the Brooklyn Nets scoring, I don't think the Heat can. Um, my only big concern with the Nets is that's a lot of extra games you got to play. And that's a lot of must-win games that you have to play, right? So it's going to be tough. I mean, you have to rely on the health factor of it. Who knows with Kyrie? Who knows with Seth? I mean, Seth's been in and out of the lineup ever since he got to Brooklyn, so... Yeah, and they said Ben Simmons not going to play the season either. It's official. Yeah. 
it's the same thing with Giannis. It's it's always hard to bet against him. I mean, Kevin Durant, in my opinion, is the best scorer I've ever personally seen play. Um, so you know, with him drop him dropping forty could be like me slicing a thing of butter. You know, it's it's that simple. Um, but I just think it's a lot of extra games, and I just don't feel comfortable trusting the Nets. I really don't. But I do think they can beat Miami. I do. All right. With that being said, do you think we should move on to our next topic? Let's do it. All right. Next up, we got the Masters. Very big topic coming up. Biggest golf tournament in the world, starting on Thursday, going all the way to Sunday. Um, Devin, who's your favorite coming into this tournament? Right now, I currently have three people. One of them is being Cameron Smith. The reason why with him specifically is because of his par five scoring. He's currently second in par five scoring this season. He's fifth in green regulations. And what I found most interesting is that he is fourth in one putt percentage in round four. So if he's on the leaderboard going into the fourth round, I know it takes a lot to get there. You know, four days of golf is not easy, but he could, he is one of the few people that could close the deal. And I wouldn't be too worried about anyone else coming up on him in the leaderboard if he can get off to a hot start. Yeah, and those par fives on the Masters, if you can start birdieing them, you're in really good luck for this course. The par fives on this course are honestly some of the easiest par fives of any course. So, And Cameron Smith is second in par five scoring. So that is why he's currently my number one. My number two is Tyrell Hatton. He is top 10 in par five scoring and top 10 in one putt percentage in the fourth round. He's also number two in the world in three-putt avoidance. So when you talk about dropping meaningless shots in the second and third round, Tyrell Hatton is one guy that could, that could avoid that and potentially avoid that slip-up. So I think he is either going to win if he, if, he, if he can get up the leaderboard pretty fast. Kind of the same story with Cam Smith. Um, Do you know Tyrell Hatton's current odds to win? Unfortunately, I did not write down these guys' odds. Um, Let me Tyrell see if Hatton I can is, find it. is definitely not up there, but Cameron Smith is. I think Cameron Cam Smith is top 10 um, projected odds. And then while you're doing your, your Google search, I'll, I'll just drop my, my sleeper pick. Um, not really a sleeper pick. He's a well-known golfer, but my last guy is Andrew Shoffley. He's top five in three-putt avoidance in, in, in round four. He's number one in three-putt three putt avoidance in general. So if you can start and capitalize on the par fives, I think Xander should have no problem with, with this tournament, but he needs to capitalize on the par fives. I think he's currently ranked top 50. Um, I think he was ranked top 61 before going into this week. And after the Valera Open, he is currently, I think, ranked 55, 56. So if he can continue that trend in the right direction, capitalizing on the par fives, I think with this putting, Xander could be a deadly pick. Yeah, so I just found Tyrell Haddon. He is sitting at plus 4,000 for odds. So pretty good pick if you're going to pick him to win. Um, definitely a sleeper, I would say, a bit. Um, top 20 currently for odds. So definitely a good pick there. How about Xander, since you have that up? Do you mind just uh, Xander, I believe, was Xander Shuffle is plus uh, 2,200. So okay. definitely better. Um, they definitely have better projections for him. Okay, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big I'm, – out of those three, I feel pretty confident that all three can finish in the top 20 for sure, and one of those three has, has a great chance to win. How about you, man? What, what, were you, what were you thinking for the Masters? 
I I'm looking all around right now. Um, they currently have John Rom as the favorite, but I, I don't really like him for this tournament. He's been struggling a lot since the start of the new year. And I just don't see him placing too high in this tournament, despite um, some good results last year. But I think just coming into this year, he's been super cold to start the year. I would have to agree. And he's I would, at, I I would believe, save that money. He's at like plus 900 plus 1000. So I would avoid him if you could. Um, I think the first guy that I really like is Justin Thomas, actually. Um, in the nine results he's played so far, he's made the cut every single time. And he has uh, five out of nine top 10 finishes. So he's been playing really well when he does play. I know he hasn't played in every single tournament, but um, he's been playing super well recently. So I think he's definitely a solid pick. Um, has yet to win the Masters, so there's always that going for him. Always hungry for that. So um, I think his current odds, um, his current odds to that plus 1,200. So it says he's the second favorite, but I think he's just playing too hot that he's hard to avoid right now. I think anything greater than plus 1,100 is, is great value for, for someone as legendary as JT. So great shout out there. Yeah, and then the next guy I have, um, this guy seems to always finish in the top 10 of the Masters, so maybe a top 10 bet for him. Uh, I have Brooks Kepka. Um, it's kind of a controversial one because he's very up and down, and when he's up, he's really up. So I like Brooks Kepka. He always performs well at the Masters every single year, so a top 10 bet would be really good for him. I believe his current odds are plus 1,800, so... Um, I like him just because he knows the course really well and could definitely perform really well. I like it. I got to ask, other than par five scoring, what is another factor that you think was going to play into who's going to come out on top of this? Um, see, the Masters is a tricky course because the par fives is always what se seems to settle it. Uh, there's a lot of par fives on this course that just – are easy scoring for to get you your birdies on this course, even Eagles. So, uh, which we've seen in the past by some players. So, um, there's a couple, um, holes, I believe hole, um, like 12 to 15, that range. Um, there's a few par fours in there, I believe. I'm not too familiar with the exact layout of the course though. Um, but I think that range, the, the just the back nine, I feel like is definitely, um, the hardest part of the course, as we can see from uh, Rory McIlroy's meltdown when he almost won his Masters for the first time. So Very um, famous meltdown. Yeah, so I wrote down Rory McIlroy just to throw him out there because um, he's won every major but the Masters. So you would think it'd come sometime soon, but this course just doesn't suit him very well for some reason. You know... Rory McIlroy this season has been an interesting guy to follow. Um, I remember a few, the few tournaments I won specifically, he jumped out to this massive lead. And then all of a sudden when round three hit, it was a legitimate bogey train. I mean, it was, it was, it was tough to watch because I, I do like Rory, but I, I don't think I'd ever put money on him to win, uh, especially now until he proves it uh, just one more time. But I don't know. He's, he's shown glimpses of the new Rory, and he's shown glimpses of the old Rory. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, and then my final guy that I have is, um, I wouldn't say it's 
too much of an underdog like you picked for some of yours, but I have Will Zalatoris. Last year at the I Masters, knew you were say that. last year at the Masters, his first ever Masters, finished second to Hideki Matsuyama. He so, he looked good last year. He was commanding that course. I mean, even his approach shots into for for green regulations. I mean, he he low key looked like Justin Thomas out there with those approach shots. So it I I could see it, but um. Yeah, so I just don't think he's that that good of a season to, yet to for for me to pick him as my top three. He's he's out. had a pretty good season so far though. He's played in um of the 21-22 PGA season, uh, eleven events played, nine made cuts, uh, three top ten finishes, one of them being a second. So I think he's due for a win um, soon. I don't know if this is the right tournament, but because of how well he performed last year, I think he's definitely a good shout. Agreed. Agreed. And then off topic um, from our picks, what are your thoughts on Tiger coming back? I think it's great. I really do. I mean, what he was able to do, when was that year? Um, I think it was two years ago. It was, you don't think it was longer than that when we went to, because we, we watched it in Portland. So yeah, like, was we were at the Blazer game. Um, was it, so was it our- Last year was Matsuyama, the year before it was Tiger. So it was two years okay. ago. I mean, I, I'll never forget, you know, all of us just hanging out in the car, falling in our phones, and then go to the bar before the game, and everyone erupting when Tiger came through um, after he made that putt. That was awesome. I mean, I, I would love to see it again. I really would. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is his first tournament back since the injury. Yes, um, it is. Very interesting spot to put yourself in. Personally, I would have liked to have him play this past weekend at the Valero. Um, just to see how we swing in the club. Uh, but I think it's great for the sport. I think it'll bring in a lot more viewerships. Everyone loves Tiger Woods. Um, everyone can appreciate what he's done for the sport and how good he is. So I- I'm excited to see it. Uh, didn't want to jinx it by putting my own money on it. Um, so I- I'm just I'm just hoping he plays well. And uh, he-, he comes out there and doesn't sustain any future, uh, any, you know, lingering injuries and he's just able to play all four rounds and just love the game of golf again that's what i'm looking forward forward to watching i'd just be happy if you made it through the part three course or the (laughs) (laughs) course because um times of times in the past where he's played um through injury he didn't even make it through a single round like he played 11 holes and just quit because how bad his injuries were so i'm just hoping he makes it through the part three course so (laughs) that's a very valid point very valid point but uh, that that's an interesting fact, you know. He's never really been able to finish, uh, not even just uh, not even make the cut, but just get to the point where he can make the cut, you know. <laughs> Come first, first, uh, first, round, uh, first tournament back off injury, so it should be quite interesting. Um, how about we uh, we switch topics a little bit more? You know, we'll talk about the World Cup. Uh, everything concluded from a qualifying perspective last Friday. So, you know, I, I'd love to get your thoughts as opposed to, you know, your winners for uh, each of the eight divisions. Yeah, so um, very happy the U.S. officially qualified. Um, it seems like a miracle, but they should be qualifying anyways. So um, it, it was kind of hard to watch them. It's like I had money against them the last game because I just knew they were going to lose. So um, against Costa Rica, it just seemed like yep. free money to bet against them. And was, but, we talked about this. It was pretty good odds, right? It's pretty good plus money if you want to tell the fans. Yeah, it was like plus 250. And it just felt like free money because you knew the U.S. was going to choke the game. But you just didn't know how much they were going to lose by. 
And I believe all they had to do was lose by less than five, right? Less that than six. That. Less than six. Okay. And they did just that. I believe the game finished at 2-0 Costa Rica. So everyone was happy. Pride for the country and U.S. still gets to qualify. So win, win, win. Yeah. But right, uh, should we get into the groups? Yeah, I'd love to get your take on on the groups. Um, let's just go down from A all the way to the last group. So, All right, let me pull it up real quick. You can start talking about it. Yeah, so in the first group, we got Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, and Netherlands. This is an interesting group. Uh, Qatar obviously obviously being the host nation. Um, so they're in pot A for this. I think they're honestly not going to make it out of this group. They have a really tough draw with Senegal and the Netherlands. So uh, the Senegal with Sadio Mane just won the Africa Cup of Nations. So I think they're definitely a threat going into this tournament and could definitely get win this group if possible. I like that. Let's move on to the next group. It's the USA group. England, Iran, USA, and I believe it's whoever comes out of the UEFA playoff. The UEFA, yep. With yeah. Who are the three? It's Wales. Wales, Scotland, Ukraine. All right. We're cheering for Ukraine because for go Ukraine. Ukraine. <laughs> it would be great. You know, I remember watching them in the European Cup. I forget what it was called, but they surprised me. They looked pretty good. So it would be dope if they could come back and uh, play in the World Cup. That'd be great for everyone to see. Yeah, Wales would be a cool nation too, just because you have Gareth Bale coming back as well. So, but let's hear your winner out of those uh, potentially seven teams we just mentioned. Who do you think is going to come out on top? My winner for this group has to be England. It's, you can't go against them right now. Harry Kane currently in the Premier League is on fire. So I think England, hundred percent. I think they're minus like two fifty or five hundred or something to win the group. So I think England for sure is going to come out of this group. Um, whether they finish first or second, it doesn't matter, but I think they're definitely going to come out of this group. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the U.S. doesn't make it out just because Iran is a very underrated team. They won the qualifying for the Asia qualifying, so they're a very good team. Um, so the U.S. definitely has a hard process going through, so I hope they can make it through. Um, so, yeah, let's hope they make it. All right, fingers crossed. Now, in my opinion, this is the more interesting divisions from what I could see from, uh, you know, top down, uh, looking at a perspective with Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. I believe you have two top 10 teams in the world right now with Argentina and Mexico. So we'd love to get your thoughts as you come out on top. I mean, being American, we don't really consider Mexico a top 10 nation because Mexico hasn't beaten the U.S. since, I believe, 2019. So... I would definitely say the U.S. is a better team than Mexico right now, despite Mexico finishing higher in qualifying. Um, Mexico's definitely in trouble in this group. Um, Argentina, they won Copa America. Um, Messi obviously isn't in the greatest form of his life right now, only scoring three goals for PSG this season. But when he comes to Argentina, everyone just wants to play for him, whether it be their goalkeeper, uh, Martinez, who is just on fire whenever he plays for Argentina, um, Di Maria securing them the final last time. So I think they're definitely a very deep team and could definitely make a run. Poland as well. Um, Lewandowski definitely should have won the Ballon d'Or. I think he just got absolutely robbed by Messi. So I hope he has something to say to Messi when they play each other. <laughs> so definitely highlighting that matchup, highlighting that matchup. Just those two players of that matchup. <laughs> but who do you have coming out on top? Coming out on top, I have Argentina. Coming in second, I have Poland. 
Saudi Arabia, I don't think is going to be any factor in this. They maybe get one point in this group. I think they're going to struggle a lot. All right. Now with the next division, France, Denmark, Tunisia. And uh, I don't know what the other three qualifying countries are, but who do you have coming out on top? Coming out on top? I mean, you'd be ridiculous not to say France, but there is the World Cup curse where um, whoever won the World Cup, the next World Cup doesn't make it out of the group stage, which has happened for three straight World Cups. So wow. um, Germany in 2018 didn't make it out of group stage. In 2014, Spain didn't make it out of the group stage. In 2010, Italy didn't make it out of the group stage. So we'll see if this theme continues. Um, I'm going to say no, just because France has so many quality players in their team and could potentially repeat the World Cup. They have Mbappe, who just the other day scored two goals and had three assists in one game. So he's ridiculous right now. Um, They arguably have the deepest team of any nation. So they should easily get through this group. And if they don't, it's in a complete embarrassment. Do you think that that was strategically designed by FIFA to put France in this division so the curse is broken? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I don't I don't know I feel like every <laughs> they say everything's random so I'm just gonna agree with them even okay. though it probably isn't completely random um honestly Denmark's a big very big sleeper in this group um Denmark's also a very good solid team in every single position uh Christian Eriksen after that massive scare in the Euros is back playing and in his last four games has scored three goals I believe so wow. He's actually back for them. He's back for, I believe he's playing for Brentford right now of all teams. So, um, yeah, but I think Denmark's definitely a sleeper. It could definitely go through. Right on. All right. This division now, Spain and Germany. This definitely, That's, uh... it's, it's a very tough group. Um, Germany with their manager. So their current manager is Hansi Flick, who was the famous manager of Bayern when they beat Barcelona 8-2. to two. So they have a, I think the reason why they dropped in their FIFA ranking is because of that last World Cup performance and just a switch of management overall. So I think Germany could make a very far run in this World Cup. Obviously, Spain, very good team, very highly possession-based team. So there will be games where they hold the ball for maybe 70 to 80% of the game, especially if they end up playing Costa Rica. Um, But the issue is they don't have any goal scorers on their team. So that game might end up one nil if they play Costa Rica. So um, I definitely see Germany going through and even Japan's a sleeper team. So Germany is a for sure for me. And then I think it's a toss up between Spain and Japan. Interesting. I did not see that coming. Okay. All right. Next division, Belgium, Canada, Morocco, and Croatia. This is a really tough group to actually pick. Belgium obviously ranked number one in the world. So They've been ranked number one in the world, I believe, last four years, but they haven't made it past the semifinals of any tournament yet. So it's interesting that they're still ranked number one. Um, I, they should definitely win every single game of this group just because of how good their team is. Um, Kevin De Bruyne, I think, is too good of a player not to win all these games for them. Um, I know you don't like Romelu Lukaku, but if he's playing well, he's playing well. He's a very tough player to watch. <laughs> Yes, I have a different choice of words for Lukaku, which I will refrain from saying. But, um, yeah, watching him in the Euros is very frustrating. Uh, 
ball goes in the net, not off the back end of your foot. So as long as you can take notes on that, I like Belgium to win it all. Um, do you by chance know what Belgium's odds are as the number one ranked team in the country to win the World Cup? Um, I believe Brazil's the favorite plus 450. Oh, believe, Brazil's the favorite. Okay. Yeah, I believe because just their group is ridiculously easy, um, which we'll get to next. I think every other team is, or that's like number one in the group is like anywhere below plus 750 or something like that. So they're any, they're probably like 650. So you're saying range anywhere between plus 500 to plus 750 is where we should expect to see teams like Belgium and France. Yeah. Sounds good. Good thing to take notes on. Yeah, Moving also on. In this group. Oh, oh we, sorry. No, please continue. Yeah, also in this group, um, Canada and Croatia, I think, are the um, like the next up team. Um, Canada was really good in qualifying, and they're also missing one of their best players in qualifying for the last like four games in Alfonso Davies. So I think if he returns, Canada might be just one of those sleeper teams that could honestly get to like the final eight teams or so. So they're definitely a sleeper team. That's great to see. Uh, I remember watching if, um, the last time Canada played the U.S. in that in that finals. I think it was the finals appearance of that tournament, and I was pretty impressed with both teams. So definitely can see Canada being a sleeper pick. Um, now let's move on to that uh, second to last division: Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. And while just saying those names out loud, with as old as Serbian teams are, Brazil looks like it's got pretty easy walkthrough through this division. Yeah, Brazil should easily get through this group they're definitely um the favorites get out of this group especially finish first uh there's a reason why they're the favorite to win win the world cup this year because of how easy their group stages um but serbia definitely a sleeper pick serbia in world cup qualifying in their group stage finished above portugal so um they definitely have some very solid players i believe vlahovic he currently he currently plays for juventus um, very solid striker, only 22 years of age, and is really a complete baller. So um, I think they're potentially finished. They could potentially finish second right now. Switzerland's a good team, but I don't necessarily think they're going to go too far in this. Got it. Speaking of Serbia and Portugal being in the same group stage, let's move on to Portugal. I mean, what are your thoughts on their division with Ghana, Uruguay, and the Korean Republic? Honestly, this might be one of the hardest groups to get out of. Portugal, obviously, they have so much talent everywhere. Every single player in the starting 11 is a starting player for a Champions League team. So Portugal should easily get through this group, but they've shown that they can struggle in games, not getting past Serbia in their own group for UEFA qualifying. So Portugal should easily get through, but Uruguay, very good defensive team, and South American teams have a very good, they do a very good job at frustrating teams all the time. So Uruguay could definitely be that team. South Korea in the last World Cup upset Germany. So I wouldn't be surprised if South Korea upsets Portugal this time. And that one loss or that one tie could really open the door for Uruguay to sneak in and win that division. Um, so uh, great call out there. Uh, some of the rankings that I've seen personally, um, has Uruguay ranked, you know, 10th, 11th? So maybe not a bad sleeper choice. Yeah, um, Uruguay's a top 20 nation, so definitely don't be surprised if they win this group. You know, I, I just wanted to ask, you know, out of all the teams that we mentioned that could really finish second in their divisions, right? So we're talking about Senegal. We're talking about 
you know, U.S. and Iran. We're talking about Mexico. We're talking about Denmark, Spain, um, Canada, Serbia, right? Uruguay. Out of those teams that I just mentioned that you say that you said it earlier would could finish second, could finish first. Out of those teams I just mentioned, who has the best chance to finish second in the division but still win the World Cup? If you had to pick one of those teams, um, it's a really tough one. Um, I think if you look at Group E with Spain and Germany, if one of those two teams um, end up second, it's kind of a toss up. I like Germany a lot more to win the group, but if they finish second, then I think they could definitely be the best team to go forwards. I really like Denmark. I think they just have solid players all around and can definitely upset any team. Awesome. Definitely something to keep, to keep watch on. Um, Speaking of the world cup though, you know, we're missing two really crucial players here. Uh, We're missing Egypt and Italy. Shout out curiosity from your perspective in the games you've seen. What went wrong with them? <laughs> you so, know, Italy, the, the issue with them is um, they would have easily qualified, but their Ballon d'Or best player in the world, Jorginho, missed two penalties, which would have put them through and into the World Cup, not even having to play in playoffs. But because Jorginho, the best player in the world, uh, just is missing penalties, they didn't make the World Cup. And then they play against North Macedonia, a team very known for sitting back, letting you shoot, absorb all this pressure, and then going forward and scoring off a counterattack. Did just that and upset Italy. So I'm not surprised Italy got upset by someone like that. That's that that's tough. You know, it just goes to show you you can't take any games off. You know, what about with the what about with Egypt? Egypt, I wasn't too hot on. Obviously, they made the Africa Cup of Nations final. But I think that's very due to how underrated their goalkeepers are. Their goalkeepers were ridiculous in both that tournament and World Cup qualifying. I believe if you look at their match scores um, in their last two games for the goalkeepers, one of them got a 9.9 and one of them got a perfect 10. So their goalkeepers, their goalkeepers just have ridiculous games which I think kept them in games. Mo Salah was an absolute no factor in these last few games for them. So I think they're definitely a bit in the an overrated team and definitely didn't deserve a spot over Senegal. Overrated team, certain overrated player. It all comes full circle, right? <laughs> it all comes full circle. And my final question for you, just out of curiosity, you know, you mentioned a few teams here and there, potential to be on upset alert. But if you had to pick out of the major 20 countries, right? Or sorry, major 10 countries, who is on upset alert first? Um... I mean, I have this fear for France just because of the standard World Cup curse. But honestly, it'd probably be Portugal. Um, They get super cocky in games. Maybe it's because they have Cristiano Ronaldo on their team and they think they're unstoppable, which is, I think, the issue with Manchester United right now. But I think it's just because they think they have one of the best players of all time in their team that they're going to win the game. So I think that's definitely an issue with their team. And especially they're in a really hard group. So I think they're definitely a team that could get upset. I don't really follow soccer too much, but I'm going to go ahead and give you my two cents. Upset alert for me, I got Belgium. Belgium, really? Belgium. I think that they'll win, but uh, round of 16, they're gone. Whoever they end up playing. Um, Not my sleeper pick, but my pick to win the tournament or the World Cup, England. 
England. I think Harry Kane is that guy. They are the second favorite to win it all. So that's we'll good see. to know. But uh, Harry Kane is, is 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 my guy, you know. So I'm gonna go with England. Um, all right. Do you want to get into baseball? Yeah, let's let's get into baseball. Uh, opening day is this Thursday. Thursday is a great day. Honestly, I'm gonna have to take off Thursday from work. There's no way I can get anything done with the Masters starting and with opening day. So, you know, there there's some great pitching matchups opening day. I mean, right off the bat, you have the Yankees versus the Red Sox. You have Avaldi, who was incredible last season, um, even in the playoffs, versus Garrett Cole, who we all know uh, has his ups and downs and when it comes to playoff time, isn't isn't as clutch as we like him to be. But uh, I think this would be a great opening day matchup. Second up, we have the Cubs versus the Brewers, uh, Burns versus Hendricks. Hendricks seems to be the only, you know, lasting player on this Cubs team that is worth a dime. Uh, so we'll see if Hendricks can muster another 12-6 and six season. Um, it'd be very interesting to see from that perspective. Um, and then one of the major offseason uh, – moves was Granky going to the Royals and we get to see Granky for the Royals pitch on opening day uh, against one of the most well-known pitchers in the league in Shane Bieber and the Cleveland Indians. Um, so that should be a very interesting opening day with a lot of really good pitching matchups. What are your uh, thoughts overall on Shane Bieber? I like Shane Bieber. I really do. I think that the entire Cleveland pitching organization last year kind of had their kind of had a little bit of a downfall. Um, but I think they're okay. I think that their offense needs a lot of work. I think last year that they relied way too heavily on the home run ball. Um, and depending on what Chicago can do from a pitching perspective, I think Minnesota takes the division. I think that their offseason signings with Correa and Sonny Gray, that's hard to beat. And Brian Buxton coming back healthy is just another huge asset all over the field, not just in hitting, not just base running, but defense too this man really really has it all with that speed so I think it'd be interesting if Cleveland can get back on track with pitching and Shane Bieber goes back to his dominant form from two years ago should be competitive but if the Indians and White Sox struggle to struggle on the offensive side Minnesota has enough offensive power to take the division in a heartbeat and has enough backup pitching in their rotation to bring the division home so let me just rephrase it. It's the Guardians, not the Indians. <laughs> I fully apologize. Uh, the minute we start talking about football, I will accidentally still be calling the Washington football team the Washington Redskins. So let me just go ahead and apologize for that. Uh, well, they have a new name from that also. <laughs> yeah, what are they? The Commodores? Commanders? I, I forget. <laughs> I love just calling them the Commodores. <laughs> the Commodores is good enough for me. I'll remember that. Um, yeah, but overall for baseball, who do you have winning at all? What's your future bets looking like? So I actually don't have any future bets for baseball yet. I saw, um, I was just scrolling through the win losses and what people's uh, records were, what the records that were projected. And the one thing that really stood out to me, and I, I hate this team, let me just preface that with that, is the Los Angeles Dodgers, over 96 and a half wins. They lost Scherzer, I get it. They lost A.J. Pollock. I get it. They lost Kenley Jansen. I get it. But they did bring in Kimbrell, one of the best closers in the game. 
Blake Trennan continues to assert his dominance as a reliever or coming into close. So I'm not worried from that perspective. I think that they have the Cy Young winner in Walker Bueller this year. Very common take, but Bueller is that good in the regular season. So I like the I like the Dodgers over 96 and a half wins. And when you look at the division, Arizona, not hot great. pile of mess. Giants, Giants aren't good either. They lost Gosman. So that's huge. They lost they also lost Chris too. Bryant. Buster that's Posey. also huge. And Posey, of course, who hit over 300 last year. Which is incredible, by the way, considering how old that man is. Still managed yeah. to hit over 300. Incredible. So I just think the Giants lost too much. Um, I, you actually brought up this point. Giants under and wins. I like that. The more I think, I think about like 85 it. 85 or something like that. I like it. I like Definitely that. the under on that. And then uh, you look at the Rockies. I mean, it's home run season. <laughs> One of the pitchers that they gave like a $50 million, $50 million deal to over a span of X amount of years. He got rocked in the preseason, his first start, like legitimately rocked. And then they so, go back to the Rockies ballpark. He's going to get rocked even more. He's going to get rocked again. Um, so, and the Rockies no longer have their shortstop. Who is their shortstop? Trevor Story. Oh, where'd he Trevor go? Trevor Story went to Boston. Ooh, Boston was already pretty good last year too. They were. And I think with that pitching rotation continuing to mature, I think with Matt Barnes getting more control and just overall calmness and, and when he comes out the pen, I like Boston's win total over as well. As long as it's anywhere under 96 and a half, if you could get that, I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but as long as it's under 96 and a half, I would hammer the over. I think it's, it's probably around like, I think the highest in the AL was um, Toronto at 90. Three or 94 and I think Boston was like at 91 92 yeah yeah Toronto's gonna be a good team this year I I 100% agree with that the, the the players that they brought in and the players that they were that they were able to retain specifically they should be a good team but I do like Their Boston. pitching's good their hitting's good what's not like about what's not yeah. like to like about Toronto right now I agree I agree so should be interesting but just to recap, Dodgers over, Giants under, Twins over, Red Sox over. Um, if I were a betting man, I would sprinkle Atlanta. I would sprinkle Boston. I would sprinkle Dodgers. Just kidding. It's not a 60-game season. I would not sprinkle anything on the Dodgers. Dodgers um, to make the championship, but that's no nice. further. No Absolutely no further, but um, 100%. What I do like is I like <clears> – <throat> sorry, give me one sec. Uh, couldn't find it, but regardless, those are, my, those are my big picks for this upcoming season. Also, what are your thoughts on the A's offloading every single player on their team? I don't even know what to think. I really don't. Um, I'm just excited to see what they can do. You know, fun fact, they, they lost Sean Manaya. Yeah. My, my favorite pitcher. He they went to just... um, uh, San Diego, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, so... Sean Manaya went to the Padres. Um, Padres might be pretty good this year if everyone can stay healthy. I, 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 don't, I don't think so about that. Uh, if I had to pick anything with the Padres, I'd 
take their team uh, their win total under. Uh, I, I I'm just not a fan of you, Darvish. Um, Blake Snell literally throws water over the middle of the plate. Uh, I saw a video of him today of him um, uh, striking out JUCO players like it was nothing, bro. Of course, it's JUCO players. <laughs> Why are you bragging about this? Um, but anyways, I'm not a fan of their pitching rotation. Tatis is on the IL, 10-day IL, every month. Uh, Lamette, will ne- we're never going to know what happens to him. I mean, yes, their relief pitching uh, out with, um, with Drew Pomeranz and Lamette was going to be good. So if they can get to an early lead, they'll be all right. But I just don't trust them to get to an early lead enough to be able to win a ton of games. I don't think they make the playoffs. I really don't. Um, and I just want to preface this. Sean Manaya is good. Don't get me wrong. But he's not that guy. He's not that guy. He can get you like seven wins or so out of like 17 pitched games. But yeah, it's, it's definitely tough being in that division. I agree. I agree. But if I, if I really would have to sprinkle a little something, I think you, this could be, this is better odds, is I would sprinkle something on the American League to, to win the World Series. Yeah, that's a good bet. I just they have think, a lot of more consistent teams. I agree. I, I think that you have a chance, honestly, with the Blue Jays, Yankees, Rays, or Red Sox. I mean, either of those four teams could do it. And then you have the Astros, of course. And I just think that that is too much compared to the NL, where I'm really not seeing anyone that's really that's even in the AL. You have Atlanta and Tampa Bay as well. Uh, that would be the NL. Oh, are they now? Yeah. Well, um, I don't know my baseball, be, so that would be NL East. Um, well, yeah. I wish I wish ESPN would update the Cactus League and Grapefruit League to the actual league, so I would know. <laughs> Honestly, I was just on my phone and I saw that, and I was very confused as to why it said Cactus and Grapefruit. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only it. one confused. Um, I'm like, wait, who is? Because isn't Tampa's in AL? Tampa's in the AL. Yeah. Yeah, and then. Who's Atlanta with then? Atlanta's in the NL East. They're with the Marlins, Phillies, Mets, and Nationals. Okay. So you're, this is why you're the baseball guy. <laughs> this season's going to be really interesting. I just wanted to highlight two divisions, too, that I'm really looking forward to seeing. One of them being the NL East, which is what we just talked about, with the Mets, Phillies, and Braves. Honestly, I'm a big Phillies fan. I think that what they can do from an offensive standpoint and getting back Wheeler healthy and Nola pitching like he can pitch. I think that Philly is a scary team and I would not want to play them. Um, and then you have to add in the Mets too, who brought in Scherzer. I mean, yes, they did just lose to Grom, but that pitching core is still crazy. And they also brought in Chris Bassett too, who had 13 wins on the A's last season, completely insane. So, so one thing that will always be very consistent on the Mets, the pitching. Yeah. And then you add in the Marlins, who have a fantastic pitching rotation right off the bat with Pablo Lopez. Um, and I'm forgetting their number two right off the top of my head. But the Marlins pitching has always been fantastic. And I think with some of their big hitters that they acquired in the offseason – they could potentially take away some games from the Mets, the Phillies, and the Braves. So I think coming down to the end, this is always a division that you want to pay attention to in the beginning of the season because you can capitalize on great future bets 
with like Atlanta last season when Acuna went down. You could capitalize on things like that if you pay close enough attention to this division, especially with how well-known the uh, Mets are for choking. And then going back to the American League, I mean, the AO East is always a division you got to pay attention to. Blue Jays, Yankees, Red Sox, and Rays. You never know what's going to happen. Who can stay healthy? Which pitching rotation can outlast the other, you know? So it yeah, and be, they, they could easily have three teams make the offseason too. They, they really could. That's a great point. And so I think two of the, those two divisions, both on each side, the, the AL East and the NL East, those, either of those divisions could, or both those divisions could have three people make it. You really never know. Um, so those are just two of my favorite divisions, but that's, that's really all I got from a baseball report. Um, definitely can't wait to, to, to hop on another episode and sort of recap opening day with these pitching matchups, because I'm really stoked for those three. And, uh, Honestly, I just want to say my my big sleeper team for this year is the Milwaukee Brewers. Why are they your sleeper team? I think that they have really good pitching. They've always had really good pitching. I think with the healthy Christian Yelich, who, by the way, everyone is sleeping on this season. Um, I can't really remember where I got Yelich in my baseball draft, but I'm just going to pull it up real fast. And I'm just going to tell you because I cannot believe he was still available when I got him. He's the only guy I know on their team. Like the only other person that I used to know on their team was Ryan Braun. So <laughs> I am not too well versed in Brewers. Also, um, when they used to have that really big guy, he used to hit a lot, a lot of home runs too. Um, he played on the Tigers at one point too. Oh my! Not not Miguel Cabrera. No, but I, I he was a really big guy. Um, was he the guy that came in clutch? Uh... Prince Fielder. Prince Fielder. That's the guy. Those are the only two guys I ever know who played on the Brewers. So, But this should be very interesting with Christian Yelich, though. I, I got him at 116th in my draft. So, so was that like 10th round or so? 116 divided by 12. So like 10, 10 round, like 9th, 10th round. Yep. Wow. It divided He's by a, 10. He's Divided a former MVP. Exactly. Uh, 116, what'd I say? 112, 116? One, 116, I think you said. 116 divided by 10. That's where yeah. I got him, and there's 10 people in this league. But regardless, I, I'm very excited to see the, the, the Brewers play some baseball this year because they were really consistent last year, and if they could get some more consistent firepower coming in to help put up some runs to alleviate that stress from the pitching rotation, I think they could be dangerous. So that's my one big sleeper team for this year is Milwaukee Brewers. All right. With that being said, I think we're going to wrap things up. Devin, thanks so much for being on this episode. My pleasure. Appreciate you letting me come on and talk sports. Yeah. And with that, uh, that's all we got. So we'll see you guys next time. Yes, sir. See y'all next time.